Blog Talk Radio. Be 
What up, what up? Blue? Look at the devil. Just don't want me to go, <laughs> don't be right tonight. I was like, is he <laughs> Look, it just literally just hung up on me at a, right as I was getting ready to talk. So I'm not gonna admit. Look, it's the devil's fault, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna admit how my fat finger hit the button. But it's the devil's fault anyway. <laughs> Y'all welcome to the welcome to the Scoop Radio Show. We got a great show for you all tonight. Um, hello to all of my live people. Hello to those who are listening online. Y'all, uh, real talk. It is very definitely uh, been an interesting. Like in the last ten minutes, like a whole bunch of craziness just happened to all three of us. So anyway, we're good. We got a good show tonight. We're talking about dating um, after divorce with our friend, uh, Miss Anisha Sharp. So she's going to be in. Uh, Kels is going to give us hot topic tonight. Uh, and joining us is going to be the one and only uh, comedian, Matt O. Y'all, if y'all have never heard of this dude, he is absolutely hilarious. So tune in to that. Um, plus, um, the fire starter is back. Uh, so, y'all, we got passion talk. And, of course, right about now, we're going to get into the news. So, as always, before we start, let me just say, if you have any questions or comments about anything uh, tonight, call in to 929-477-2304, Press the number one and let me know that you have questions. That you Let, let us know, uh, press number one and let us know that you have a question or comment. You don't have to give your name, tell us your question or comment. Again, it's 929-477-2304. We are Q having some uh, technical difficulties, so I'm going to say what's up to Kells real quick. What you up to, my my favorite curvy kitten um, CEO? How you doing tonight? I'm doing well. I'm over here trying to get my live together, and I'm looking at the camera behind my live, and you can see the lightning flashing. So I know oh, people no. at home. They need to tune on in and we can ride this storm yeah. out together and have a good time doing it. That's what yeah. I think. Uh, Kelsey, do storms make you scared? You get scared in the storms? No, not, not really. No. You sure? You just, are you just saying that because you don't because you don't want nobody to know you're not a thug? I mean... I, I'm only scared when it's like a real actual, you know, threat. Like if I was hearing stuff busting up against the window or something, then I'd be a little frightened. But right now I'm okay. cold. Okay. All right. Well, cool. We're going to go ahead and jump into this news. Like I said, I keep having some technical difficulties. And for those rest of you guys who are in Oklahoma City and having some major storms, um, definitely be careful, please. Um, but and then also if you're on our live, y'all hit that share button and and let and talk to us. So we're gonna get into this news real quick. Uh, yeah, this first story um, is probably one of the most heartbreaking stories I've read this in this last week. So we're gonna start with for those who don't know, um, Willow Creek, Willow Creek, the pastor um, and the elders all miss uh, admit to mishandling allegations against Bill Hybels. Uh, so for those of you guys who don't know, Bill Hybels um, is, and Willow Creek is one of the largest churches in America. And um, Bill Hybels was the founding and senior pastors. There were some allegations came up to um, sexual harassment. There was some um, allegations that he was inappropriate. That he, there were some allegations that he had 
uh, affairs, and the church did, um, or his, his board did a quote-unquote investigation, dismissed it. You know, he gave a thing saying he was innocent, yada, yada. Anyway, he resigned. Well, new allegations have recently come up, which um, they have come from people like his administrative assistant, and his administrative assistant admitted um, to having um, an affair with him, that there was some inappropriate touching, and that there was some oral sex that had been had. And so, of course, and he's married. So now the board, um, and again, the pastors who replaced him, it was a male and female, they both stepped down, stating that they could not be there anymore. So in this week's story, um, that was just to get you caught up. So anything, what this is saying is that um, pastor, the lead pastor, Heather Larson, and other church elders resigned Wednesday and apologized for mishandling allegations that church founder Bill Heibel engaged in improper behavior with women. Larson and the elders announced their resignations Wednesday evening during a packed, a packed congregational meeting at the church's South Barrington campus. Audience members applauded the elders' decision but some people audibly groaned over Larson's announcement and one even approached the stage in protest. Uh, it has become clear to me that this church needs a fresh start, Larson said. This is really important, she said. Trust has been broken by leadership. It doesn't return quickly. There is urgency to move us in a better direction. Um, so, Kels, talk to me. Uh, tell me what you think um, about this um, This. I mean, do you think they should have stepped okay, down? First, Some of your thoughts, go for it. Um, first of all, I didn't know who, what Willow Creek was. So when I saw the story, I was like, what is Willow Creek? Uh, that may sound bad. But I don't. I don't know who they are. I don't know what y'all are talking about. But I did read the story. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it really is sad. Because I just, yeah. you know, I can empathize with the congregation because anytime there's scandal dealing with your belief system, I mean, it hurts. You know, not too long ago Definitely. we were talking about church hurt and all that. Um, a lot of people were talking about that on Facebook. And so I put this story along with um, with that. Uh, just I can imagine mm-hmm. those the emotions those people are going through while they were um, I think they said they rushed the stage and protests and things like that. So, from my understanding, the whole elders council stepped down, right? Yeah. Was it all whole, of them? The yeah. whole. I mean, that's so a, according to. Yeah, deal. they said it because. Yeah, it, it's a huge deal. So let me. So for people who are listening, who are saying like, I don't know this. So if you if you compare to those with, like who are in the south, it's not as big. As say like a Joel Osteen church, but it's it's pretty big. It's, it's pretty darn close. So it's that big of a of a congregation that is big. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, Bill Hybel, So if you guys have never not heard of the Global Leadership Summit, one of the biggest leadership conferences in in the country, mm-hmm. one of the best for this year. So it's a big deal. Big deal. Yeah, that's like that's like uh, T D Jakes. At his stage, like his whole yeah. church board leaving. So, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's sad. And, and to hear the yeah. stories and all that went on. And so I feel like they they said that they had remorse because they didn't, to me, they didn't take the allegations serious enough. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so to me, I feel like they found truth in that. So they they're they have. I think it's big of them to step down, but I can see the emotional um, turmoil it would have on the the members. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, so to me, I think one of the the big parts of this is is what you just said is that there was there was an investigation done, but they realized that the investigation that they did was not thorough enough and they went and they had to actually go back and apologize, uh, which is what they did. They apologized to the ladies who came forward and said, Listen, we believe you. Um, and I thought that was huge of them to do and I appreciated that. Um, I wish, you know, obviously, you know, I know it's a sensitive subject but I'm glad they did that to come back and say, listen, you know, we are, and they, by name, apologize, you know, to this person. Yeah. I believe in you. To this person, we apologize. I mean, they, so I thought the elders, I, I respected, um, I respected that. Uh, the call-in number is 929-477-2304. So if you got questions or comments, you can call in. 929-477-2304. So, um, and then the other part of this is, um I think we have to realize the importance of having certain checks and boundaries as leadership. Um, I don't care how big you are. Like, I don't care, to your point, Kels, if you are T.D. Jakes, there has to be some level of accountability in your life that prohibits you, well, not prohibits, but can check you in the event of something like this. One of the things that the article talks about was one of the elders says, we just didn't, because it was him, we just didn't take it seriously. And that's, you know, that we do that a lot in this country, not just with, with pastors, but, you know, that's dangerous. That's a dangerous spot for any leader to be so mm-hmm. in such a position where no one can really question them um, or call them or hold them accountable. So if you have a yeah. question or comment on the line, press number one so I know that you have, a, again, a, a comment or question. So, yeah. yeah. It is. It is. It's, it's sad, but it is. It's, it's, of course, I'm gonna say this. It's sad, but it's. I. I can promise you, it won't be the last time we see something like this. So, um. All right. Next, here we go. Um. Chicago, in my hometown, Chicago, bait truck. So there's a, a bait truck that is that was filled with Nikes. Uh, in black Chicago neighborhood was part of a railroad sting. So the story says that a truckload with Nike Air Force One sneakers and Christian Louis Vuitton shoes turned up in the Inglewood neighborhood of Chicago um, last week. It was a bait truck parked by Norfolk Southern Rally, uh, excuse me, Norfolk Southern Railway Police with assistance from the Chicago Police Department to lure thieves to their arrest. The truck traveled to more than one site in the predominantly black community on the city's southwest side. Police arrested three people during the sting, which was intended to curb cargo theft in the area, according to Norfolk Southern. Uh, what you think, Kels? Oh, you know, I'm not really for the baby. I mean, I, under, I understand what they're trying to do with the whole baiting to catch thieves, but I like it. So I definitely I'm siding with the with the <laughs> the community. 
on this. Um, I know this is specifically in uh, for this truck that they're talking about now. They were saying that it was parked like next to a basketball court with young kids. Um, mm-hmm. you know, playing ball and things. So, I, I mean, that would be devastating for a teenager, you know, some teenagers to be like a dare and, and mm-hmm. get into some trouble like that and that to bait them into something um, that might not have happened if the truck wasn't there. So I, I, I side with the community on that. I don't really care for bait trucks. Right. Uh, that goes on my live. Yes, entrapment. I, I don't like it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't like it. I think I don't think that's the way to go to catch major thieves. I just don't think that's the way to go. Yeah, and clearly they weren't trying to catch major thieves. They were trying to catch young black men. Clearly, right? Um, <laughs> you I mean, that was that's pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, so, and I'm I'm kind of I think I kind of agree with you in the sense that I, I don't think that that's the way to catch major thieves. I also uh-huh. am concerned because if you in the video that I saw, so I saw I watched a live video of it. Um, one of the guys, I don't know if you remember when we had Jedediah on the show. Do you remember that we uh-huh. had him on there last year? So he was in the video. He was one of the ones too that was in the video, and he talked about. He asked the police officer a question. He asked, "Do you all put these in where you live in white neighborhoods?" And the police officer said, "No," um, and so. I think that part bothers me that you assume that um that these are only good for black neighborhoods and that this is that this kind of crime is happening in Inglewood in the black neighborhoods and that that's the part that bothers me. Now the second part of this I'm gonna say is if you remember like was it last week when we were talking about gentrification what, what yeah. did I say last week on the call? Didn't I say, I said, if I lived in Chicago, I would buy property in Inglewood. And mm-hmm. this, to me, confirms that this is another aspect of that gentrification that we were talking about, where mm-hmm. they are purposely using those areas to drive down the property value so that people, so that African Americans can get arrested and so people who have money can come in and buy their property Put us in, put black people in another poor community so we can write it down. And this whole gentrification, redlining, um, poverty cycle that they want to try to keep us in can be maintained. Now, the flip side of that to, the, to me is I don't care. My mama always taught me that no matter what anybody does, what anybody says, if it ain't yours, don't touch it. I mean, yeah, so, everybody just taught that. I mean, everybody. And it, <laughs> so it, it, I don't care if they open the trunk up and you see, walk away. And I know that's hard. That's easier said than done. But I'm saying walk away. It ain't yours. And, right. And But just think about it. Some of these youth that's at the basketball course, you think that it may not, they may not even have a figure in their life that has told them that yet. So, I mean, we, we want to teach are used to that, but to me, if they're not, they wouldn't go into a mall and hold a mall up with some sneakers, but if you see a truck on the street with a that's full of sneakers that you don't think anybody's watching, as a young kid, that's like seeing some candy. You're going to go and get it, yeah. so yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm not, I, I agree. I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm just saying that I'm, I, trust me. As, look, as many as many baseball cards, packs of baseball cards as we used to take back in the day. I'm merely just yeah. saying 
that we got to also look like, look, if it's there, just because it's there don't mean we got to take it. Right, exactly. Because you clearly, we know they're coming for us. Right. But this is, you know, this is awareness, too. So mm-hmm. that's one more thing we got to teach our youth. <laughs> one more thing. Hey, if you yep. see Again, something that's good to be true, they trying to trap you. Run. It's true. Yeah. Don't yeah. fall for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, if you're on the, on one of our lives and you got a question or comment, call 929-477-2304 and then press the number one, and that lets us know that you have a question or a comment. And it'll prompt you, and then we'll read the last four off of your number, and that's how you'll know that uh, you can go ahead. So call in 929-477-2304. All right, and press the number one. All right, we got a call. We got a um a caller. So call it three eight seven eight. What's your question or your comment? Yeah, what I was commenting on is uh I know I'm kinda late, but I was uh wanted to comment on the uh the church situation that happens. Uh that okay. ha- happened. Uh pretty much what happened what's happening in the church today is like you previously there's no level of accountability. We are so enamored with people's giftings, their callings. We're enamored with the, the the way they speak, and we 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 are just so blown away by their giftings that we don't hold anyone accountable. That's one side mm-hmm. of it. The mm-hmm. other side of it is um, sometimes um, uh, sometimes in the church. What's happening today, we don't know how to handle stuff in-house correctly. Mm-hmm. And so outside world looks at us judging uh, a matter like this, we don't know how to handle it. Or it's blown out of proportion. Or they don't even see us walking like Christians. We look just like the world do. So there's no difference mm-hmm. between, there's no line drawn in the sand of us being acting like we're saved versus we're unsaved. That's the first mm-hmm. comment. I the second mm-hmm. comment is, I am a resident of the south side of Chicago. Well, I was a resident, born and raised in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I thought mm-hmm. it was just, I really, I mean, that, that to me, that was the lowest thing they could have did. Popping mm-hmm. mm-hmm. off a truck full of shoes in the hood. Like, I just rolled through Inglewood two weeks ago because I was on vacation. Why would Mm-hmm. Pop off a neighborhood, you know these kids' shoes are busted up, mama's strung out, daddy in jail. You vow mm-hmm. against somebody. You know that. And so to me, it's a trap for and a bait for young African American kids because that's what's over there. Cut down all the schools, you take out all the music programs, you 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 do all this gentrification, you're you're pretty much shutting the African-American people out of the south side of Chicago, shifting them to the suburbs, which started, what, five, ten years ago, when they started shutting down the projects and shutting down uh, Gateway Gardens, Calgary Gardens, and the Stingway Projects. I mean, it, to me, it's, it's, it was sad because I've seen the video, and a police officer didn't have nothing to say. His mouth was open because what could he say? The guy was right. Get that truck up out of my neighborhood because you ain't locking us up no more. Now, I'm not a racist person. I'm a loving man of God. But when you see that, that is straight injustice for for those who are disenfranchised 
and who don't have the financial power to do something about their neighborhood. I mean, the most they can do is record a cop. Yeah, so. no, I, I agree. It's definitely that. And that's what I'm saying. If it's not, uh, if it ain't yours, don't touch it. But I, I agree with you. It's definitely, it's targeting, period. It's targeting, it's profiling. It, it's definitely that. So appreciate you for calling in, man. Thanks for thanks for listening and keep listening, man. And keep, and keep calling in with right. your comments and questions. Yes, I like that. Be active. <laughs> be you said active what? With us. I said yeah. yes to the brother. Be active with us. I like that. He called in. Yeah, definitely. All right, third story. Uh, this is our, yeah, this one is kind of tough, too. Um, so Kenyan woman saves 15,000 young girls from female genocide, genital uh, mutilation. Lord, forgive me for saying if I say her no, her name wrong. Uh, huh? I'm not even gonna try. Go ahead. Go ahead. Nise Nilante Legente. That was close. Why you Listen, that was my that was close. That sounded like Greek, but whatever. I tried. Okay. I'm sorry, ma'am. I didn't mean to jack up your name. Um, she was recently named one of Time's most influential people, and for good reason. The 27-year-old Kenyan has made it her life's work to help young African girls escape female cutting, commonly referred to as female genital mutilization, or FMG. While discussing her mission with Yahoo Lifestyle, uh, she explained the cause is close to her heart because she escaped the archaic practice herself at eight years old. She says, I escaped by running away, um, saying she and her sister hid in a tree until the ceremony was over, and she has now helped over 15,000 um, 15, to avoid FMG as well. Um, she says she's also working to get rid of child marriage and FMG by 2030, introducing alternative rights and passages to her male-dominated uh, Maasai, I believe is what it's called, community. FMG for Maasai is a rite of passage from girlhood to womanhood. Women are not considered women until they have gone through FMG, she says, explaining the societal role of female, um, female circumcision. Uh, she says, FMG is my community, uh, in my community connects the girls ending their education with child marriage and with teenage pregnancy. A girl is 10 or 12 years old when she undergoes FMG. Then she's told she's a woman, which means she's ready for marriage, and that means she has children. They all go together. Uh, she also, um, so the end of this, they talk about how the her her own tribe agreed with her um, because they realized that this was also a way for them uh, to not only allow girls to go to school longer and get their education, but there was an economic um, uh, economic benefit in their community. They could be economically stronger if they allowed their women to finish their education and get to, and go to school. So what you think, Kels? Oh, yeah, more power to her. I, I had a friend yeah. that um, took an interest in um, female mutilation and just different um, women from different countries that would flee to the U.S. and then they would get mm-hmm. entrapped with uh, in the uh, sex trade and things like that. So the stories I hear or I heard yeah. was, oh, my God, it was brutal. So, I mean, yeah. I, I applaud her. She's a modern-day um Harry Tubman, I, I'm one of her fans now, and I will be, will be 
trying to keep up with her. So I'm glad that they are giving her a recognition for that because that is awesome. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So yeah, I'm gonna post this one as well for people who um, haven't seen it. But it's in it's a uh, what she's doing is awesome, and I definitely want to continue to support her. So, all right, we gotta wrap it up because I'm late, and it's <laughs> and it's time to get to our first song of the night, uh, so we can keep moving. Um, but our first song of the night. First of all, I'm sorry. This topic, uh, this section was brought to you by uh, the Money Mentor. So we are at 14 days into our savings challenge. If you have not joined. Um, it is 31 days of saving something. So you still have 16 days where I'm challenging everybody to save something, whether it's a penny, a dollar, $500, $1,000, something every day for the month so we can get into the habit of saving. Um, so it's still not too late to join. Um, you, all you have to do is if you go to my Facebook page, click the sign-up button, uh, and you're in, and that's it. So. All right, so again, our first song for the night um, is by uh, Tone. It's called Better Days. Um, again, it's called Tone. It's by Tone. It's called Better Days. And we will get into our hot topic uh, with Kells and Mac O right after this song. You're listening to the Young Scoop and Duke made a beat. <laughs> I came up off hot plates, 
when the soul was broken. Moving on to better things, I changed my lifestyle. Every day I think about my life before the lights out. Mainly cause I see the difference in my choices now. Shorten up my circle, keep around me who important now. Purple haze, got me seeing through a clear view. If you're trying to move on, leave your past up in your rear view. Gotta keep a banger cause these pigs trying to kill you. We getting smarter, that's the reason why they fear you. I gotta maintain and pray for better days Trying to keep my faith to smoke the pain away I'm moving on and hope to learn from my mistakes I'm proving to myself that I'm gonna make a change I gotta maintain and pray for better days Trying to keep my faith and smoke the pain away I'm moving on and hope to learn from my mistakes I'm proving to myself that I'm gonna make a change Okay. Better days have be grooving for a little bit. Did y'all groove on that? Did y'all I did. I did. <laughs> I did. Okay, so now it is time for hot topics, which is brought to you by Curvy Kitten Clothing, where self-reception is perfection. We are servicing women that want to showcase their curves. And you can get in touch or get you some Curvy Kitten at www.curvykittens.com and use the code KKNEW, so KKNEW, for a 10% discount. Now, for this good old hot topic, we've been talking about hot about four days. And uh, I have a wonderful guest, Mr. Mac O. Mac, are you there? Yes, ma'am. Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. We can hear you. Am I clear? I got my <laughs> earphones. I'm in the back of my yacht, so I want to make sure y'all can hear me. <laughs> yes. There's no feedback. We're here on the ocean. We good. We good. So, um, says a man has to love you more than you love him for a relationship to work. Basically, talking to women, and this post is actually coming from. Um, Derek Jackson, and we know we have a lot of people who don't like him, but he was actually talking against the, he was talking against it, against the statement. So the way we're going to do this is I'm going to start with Mac O and see what does he think about that statement. So what do you think about this deal that men should love women more than they love them for a relationship to work? I don't even think I don't even think it makes sense the the statement. I don't even understand the logic behind the statement. Like, like how do you decide which gender has a love? Like, I don't. None of it makes sense. So I can tell you, I disagree. Unless unless it's my daughter. Now I will tell my daughter to make sure that whatever boy she likes loves her more than she loves. I would definitely tell her that, but I'll tell her you probably, but but it's going to be tough on you being with somebody that you don't really love like that either, but make sure if he got enough money, you can learn to love him. So I guess it depends on who we're talking to, but in, in, in the practical world, nah, unless it's Makai, find you somebody who's rich, who loves you more than you love them. Not a lot of ones. Well, I, Hey, 
hey, look, man, I can want whatever kind of uh, son-in-law. You can pray for what kind of son-in-law. Man, you're going to bring a new son in your family. Make sure you got some money. That's all I'm saying. You can't forget the blood. As long as he got more money than you, then that'll make more sense. Mm-hmm. I'm saying, in real, real, realistically, everybody, I would tell anybody, male or female, find somebody who loves you more than you love them. That would be my advice to anybody. But I don't think it's specific for a man. Or uh, I actually, honestly, I think love is overrated. See, so I'm really the wrong person to even ask about this because. I honestly think love does not keep relationships together anyway because a man could cheat on a woman he loves. Like, those things are totally separate. So, uh, to me, respect is what women need to be striving for. Y'all keep looking out here for love. People do people wrong that they love all the time. When you was a kid, your parents loved you, fed you, taught you right from wrong. You still, like, forget them and ran the streets with your friends that you liked. People going to be around who they like. Uh, so forget some love. Get somebody who respects you. You get a man who respects you because I feel like respect uh, changes behavior more than love. You could love your mama, but you might have that uncle that you know put hands on you so you act right when he around. That's respect. Respect uh Curves men's behavior, in my opinion, more than anything else. Men act a certain way around people they respect. If a man's around another man he respects, he's going to carry himself a certain way. If a man's around a woman he respects, he's going to carry himself a certain way. So women out here striving for love, but respect is what you want. Just, I mean, you can love your mama, you can love your aunties, you can love your grandma, but you will respect your grandma different. So a grandma can walk out in the street and tell a whole bunch of thugs, y'all shut up all that noise, and they all stop. That's respect. They don't even have to love that woman. They can just be like, that's Miss Johnson up the street. But out of respect, we don't cuss around her. So women, I feel like y'all uh, chasing y'all tails looking for love. Find you a man who respects you. If that's my advice. Because love doesn't okay. mean nothing. Love. Let me let me read this comment and I'm I'm gonna go to win for a second. So one of our one of our members had you know put a comment on the live and I asked her if I could read it live tonight and she says, well now because you guys are on here, y'all ain't never heard the old female female say this. Do you know why they say this? When a man loves you more than you love them, they are ready to settle down. Y'all know darn well that's true. They're more mature. Got their play out, more focused on life. Now, men, don't get mad or resist the statement, welcome it. When y'all realize you have the right one, you probably had before, you probably had four before the right one, you act right and you want to get married. Go sit down with your grandma, ask her about that statement, and ladies, you need to take heed of it as well. Stop grabbing a hold to a piece of a man. Oh, yeah, then she was saying some more stuff that wasn't part of that. But, um, so, I can see what Miss Teresa was saying with that. It's just saying that if a man loves you more, then he's going to be ready to settle down. So I think it's but, a play on words that people are looking at the wrong thing. What do you think about that? Well, thing? I think even. Oh, man. Are you talking to me? 
Whichever oh, one. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Because I'm talking no, about you. Good. You good? Go for it. <laughs> well, so I would say even even in her statement, she even tells you that love is overrated. Because she even in that statement, she said he had three or four good ones before that he didn't even have time for. He didn't even think about. Because at the end of the day, it was time. A man is not going to settle down until he's ready to settle down. And that happens at different times. It could be different circumstances that lead to that in a man. But it could be when he's 18 for some men. It might be 70 for some men. But it's not really about you could be a good woman, but you could be a good woman at the wrong time, and it's just not going to work out for you. Now, he might look back when he's ready to settle down, then he'd be like, man, she was a good one. I could have settled down with her. At the time, he wasn't ready to settle down. And y'all not down to wait it out because your friends going to tell you that you're stupid. So y'all ain't going to do that. Well, ain't nobody, so. ain't nobody down, y'all. <laughs> I know. Right. And that is fair. That is fair. <laughs> so that's how, that's how y'all end up. That's how uh, y'all end up married to the like your third really option in life. <laughs> what you really want to be? <laughs> you end up happy marrying to option number three. Y'all both be married to option three. <laughs> and y'all live happily ever after. That's that's God is a comedian. <laughs> number three. What you think, Wes? What what you think? So I think a lot of a lot of large portion of what Mac said initially is not I'll be a Philly test. What you say? I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, and I was gonna say I think a lot of the part of what he was saying earlier is not is not respect, it's fear. And so I think a lot of the stuff that we do is we can't confuse fear. So I do think that I don't think love is overrated, but I do think that what we do is that we don't take enough time to um, um, investigate, is the word I'll use, other areas of relationships like do we want to, um, are we, you know, are we compatible in other areas? Are we able to um, you know, to work work things out together. You know, like we don't we don't do that kind of stuff. So, but I do think that it's necessary for there to be love uh, to be present. Now, to the original question, I I think the I posted this, and I I I I almost hate to say this, but I actually had to agree with Derek Jackson on this one. The entire idea that a man has to love a woman more in order for the relationship to work is asinine. Um, it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy and it's manipulative. I think what has to happen is you have to love one another. You have to respect one another. You have to be in a position where um, where you want to sacrifice and be for one another. That's how a relationship works, not me loving you more than me loving you. But, you know what I mean? Like that's, you have to do that. And I think if you do that, then that solves that solves that issue. Not, you know, not I love he loves me more than I love her. That's just whack to me. Yeah, it can't be a contest because if it's a contest, yeah. then people have to keep score. 
if you really talking about love, that the reason why I say love is overrated because the love that people really show in the world is not really uh, worth dying over. But if really people really love like we're supposed to, then you're not really worried about what you're getting in return. You're just supposed to just love. It's just like if you if you give some money to someone homeless, you're not supposed to worry if they're going to drink or smoke. You're supposed to just give it. And that's the same way you're supposed to do with your love. You're supposed to just love. And really, if you love somebody, it's supposed to be unconditional. And I don't really think people are really the way. And then if you do that, then it's really no, if both people are doing that, then it can't be a more. If we both love infinity, then it can't really be a more. We just both have to just love unconditionally. If I love my wife unconditionally, she loves me the same, then it can't, it's not a more. It's just we just both love each other. Right. I okay. Agree. So, so when and I have, I said this in my statement when I when I hear that saying and I've heard it before I don't know if I've ever heard it from my mom I don't even remember where I heard it but I've heard it before I mm-hmm. when I hear somebody say that I take it as them saying find a man that's gonna cherish you so I didn't take find a man that loves you more than you love him as a a like or a physical attraction type, um, you know, like a, a, a literal statement. Because I even use the example, like if somebody, like some people, if they say, I love you, and your you know, response is, I love you more. We don't take offense to that. That's just a term of endearment. I mean, we're not saying, oh, I love you more um, as in a contest. That's just, that's another form of endearment. So I guess I, I don't understand why that love you more would be offensive unless you're meaning like that, that person doesn't love you at all. To me, it's well, just, to me, just cherishing you. To me, it's offensive as soon as you start keeping score on love. That's why I started with the whole, I don't even understand the logic behind anyone writing that. Because if you really starting, like that's good advice to tell your son or your daughter when they're teenagers out dating is find somebody like you more because that means to me what I'm saying when I say that is find somebody that it'll hurt them more for you to leave them than if they left you or vice versa. That's what I'm telling my daughter. Find somebody that you ain't tripping if he leaves, but it'll hurt him, it'll hurt him if you left. That's what I'm saying because I'm trying to protect my daughter. But if you really <laughs> supposed to be, if you're in a real relationship, that ain't working. I mean, that's not going to really work. If she's trying to get married, I'm like, this is who you're going to be with the rest of your life? I'm like, look, you're going to have to love him, too. That, at some point, you know you're going to have mm-hmm. to love him, too. Like, like that's going to work. Or you're going to have to be very, very logical about it. Matt, hold yeah. on. So as a man who has a son, you're going to tell your daughter to do that to <laughs> my, my son. I'm telling but them both. But you know, well, I'm telling them both. I mean, okay. Okay, I got you. But I'm here, telling them so both. Go find you somebody that you that care about you, that like you more than you like them. Heck yeah, that's what I'm sending them out in the world with. Now, once they uh, deal with some more people, they can figure out what, how to, what kind of people they want to have around them. But yeah, starting off, yeah, go get the, go like the, mess with the people who like you more. So if you decide to quit messing with them, it ain't hurting you. Yeah, that's how. That's how I'm. That ain't out the Bible. <laughs> but, but yeah, <laughs> that ain't in the Bible, but that's what I'm telling them. Yeah, find you somebody. I tell my son, man, go find you a girl who likes you way more than you like her. Kick it with her for a couple months. 
get get your confidence up. Yeah, go get you one who like you way more. I'm gonna tell my son the same thing. I would tell you. I would tell anybody that if you out here single, first thing I'm gonna do is go find you somebody that you out they league. Yeah, go go no, let no, them feel. No. Yeah, go do that for about two months, man. Just go feel what it's feel like to be in a relationship where you just know I'm better than you. Go do that. <laughs> It's good for your spirit. A lot of people ain't never been there. A lot of people have been, every relationship they've been in, they just been happy to be with who they've been with. No, go be in a relationship where you like, you lucky I'm here. It feels good. Go do it. Everybody need that in their life. Okay. I'm going to read this other good comment. This is from Mr. Clinton Patton. He's also been a guest on our show. And he says, when does the culture continue to utilize its functional values to have a healthy relationship, but they consistently sabotage relationships? Relationships should be natural. Each person within the context of, of a relationship has value regardless of gender. Teaching our young men to be with someone who loves them less than they do is dysfunctional and a setup for relationship failure. Agree. I, I think he makes yeah, he makes a good point. He does make a good point. But me, okay. I really. I'm gonna throw this out here. Hold on, I'm gonna throw this out here to y'all, to the men. But don't y'all always go for women who are out of your league? Y'all always go for no. women that are, who are out of your league. No, men don't. No, I have never not, seen a woman out of my league. That's very right. Safe. That's what no, I'm saying. No. That's what I'm saying. No. So most most guys don't do that. Most there are a lot of guys who will who stay with somebody who they think is on their league or in quote unquote in their league or below them. There are guys who do that. I don't know why. But For sure. For sure. People, I know a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know because I see. I feel like me and y'all are so visual. Y'all always chasing someone. Y'all y'all. I guess I shouldn't say y'all. Some men chase women who are they think are. Perfect tens or look the best or trophies and things like that. So right, but what we know is, no matter what, she still stank when she boo boo. She still a regular person. She still got insecurities. Yeah, that's what. No matter how fine you are, no matter what, your breath stinks in the morning too. Yeah, there's truth to that. I mean, yeah. I understand that, yeah. but if y'all always, if y'all always chasing the dream girl, if y'all always chasing the dream girl, then you got to be prepared for somebody, for them not to love you as much as you love them. If y'all do the chase, mm-hmm. y'all chase. No, you see me? Well, listen, listen. That's why I, that you. It depends on what kind of person you are, how you view yourself, also. That that matters too. See, I actually feel like I feel like there's nobody out of my league personally. So no, but maybe cuts on this show. And this is this is the thing though. Women, women are always attracted to different things. Y'all are not always visual. It's women that are attracted to to humor. It's women that are attracted to strength. It is women that are attracted mm-hmm. to power, money. It's a lot of different things. So it might just be one thing. The dude could be slouchy or whatever, but he might just have that one thing that that one woman likes. So uh, it's different. Women, y'all got to, you know, your looks matter a lot more for women. Unfortunately, the way our society is set up, it's just the way it is. Your your looks matter. Right, and it's not fair. It's just the way it is. So so a dude can be like, he could be like, yeah, yeah, I ain't got, man, 
but I, I always smell good and I dress nice. Them my two things. I hang my hat on. A dude could be ugly, but he'd be like, I know that uh, I'm ugly. He'd know. He'll know I'm ugly. He'd be like, but I always dress nice. I always got money, and God bless me with this. And God bless me with this hammer. And that's what I'm put. That's what I'm out in the world with. And then. Fine girls would be like, why are you in my face? And he'd be like, I got some stuff that God gave me you don't know about. And then y'all hang out to figure it out. And then you'd be stuck with the ugly dude. That's how it happened. And don't let them have any money. Oh, yes, women are easier. And so if you the, so if the ugly dude can always get, if the ugly dude can get the pretty girl, I don't understand why y'all so shocked that women are taught to find somebody that loves you well, more than you love so, them. Because we'll date, so, no, but we'll date an ugly dude. Question, Y'all won't date an ugly dude. Let me handle this. I think, the reason, I, think the reason, I think the reason why is because it's just because Mac and I know that. Most dudes don't know that. Most dudes don't know that there's, you know, that that's, that's available to us. And so I think what winds up happening is Again, when you have no self confidence, which a lot of dudes don't, they go into these mm-hmm. thinking, you know, I've been shot down a couple of times, so I'm just going, you know, instead of, instead of talking, staying with the nines and the tens, I'm gonna go down and get me a five. The fives like me, and they okay with me. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know I know wow. guys who are like that. I know guys, but now <laughs> let me say this: I also understand. I actually historically understand where this thought comes from. I think this mm-hmm. thought comes from from a time when when it was um, when when women were not as empowered as you are today. So it was seen as something was wrong with you if you know if you got a divorce or if you're you know or it was okay if not okay but it was more acceptable for you for a dude to have you know two different families one in the south and one in mm-hmm. the north or one you know, on the other mm-hmm. side of town. So you thought if I got somebody who loved me more than I love them, then there's a less chance that he will a, leave me or he will, you know, cheat on me. And so that's right. the original, right. I think, genesis of mm-hmm. that thought. But now that doesn't work. That logic doesn't work anymore. Right, because society has changed. That's a That's a way of thinking, like you said, when women were like, okay, in those situations, it was a woman that's coming in with nothing. I'm safe. I'm allowing my stuff taken care of. I need to have a man who loves me so I know I'm always going to be taken care of. Right. Now, but now everybody coming in, working, got everything. Y'all need to find two people who can work together, who can deal with each other. The reason why I said love ain't enough is because sometimes two people that – Bobby Brown and Whitney Houston loved each other, and they had no business being together. They was toxic together. So sometimes you got to also use logic, common sense, and realize, okay, we work together well. We love each other too. But love, I feel like uh, the, at the foundation of your relationship, love is very important. I just think respect is like the foundation, then love is next, and all the other stuff. It's just my way of viewing it. Not fear, just uh, I just feel like people wrong each other all the time. I feel like the word love, as soon as people love you, that's when they start doing you wrong. 
And like when everybody everybody need to keep them some friends around that just still trying to prove they down. They just like you. Because them the people that <laughs> always come through. Them the people the people who love you, like right now, if you have a party, the people who love you is the one who ain't gonna bring no gifts. They'll be like, You know what's up? You know you know I just have a flat. It's like like straight out, man. They'll come straight to your party empty handed. Now you'll go over your friend's house like your work friend, you don't really know, you'll make sure you bring a gift because you don't really know them like that. But your real friends, you'll come over empty handed without thinking about it. That's how we do the people we love. We clean up for strangers. We cuss around our kids, but we won't cuss around other people's kids. That's what we do when we love people. That, we let our guards down and start doing people wrong. That's what you do. That's what. So I just be like, uh, love is all. That's why I'm telling you, you need people who just like you. When people like you and y'all like each other and y'all still trying to prove, that's when everybody's cool, everybody's on their best behavior. Soon as somebody be like, I love you, that comes with expectations of you're supposed to take my mess. That's what love means. Love means you're supposed to take my mess. You said you love me. <laughs> if you love me, you're supposed to take my mess. Now, if you like me, so that's why I just say, man, forget some love. You need to be around some people that you like and you respect. And your everything else is like your relationships to be hunky-dory. When y'all get love involved, that's when, yeah, you start doing people wrong. Them the people who get taken off the list first of Christmas. <laughs> you be like, you know I love yeah. you, man. I ain't got no money. <laughs> yeah, I got to all the people I like. Uh, so I'm just saying, man, watch out for the people that love you, man. That's who's going to get you. And you're going to get them, too. It ain't even on purpose. It's just how we do. Once we love people, we just start doing people wrong. I mean, just subconsciously, we like, you're supposed to love me. So you got to take all this mm-hmm. mess. I ain't got to be on my best behavior around you. So you got to take this mess. So, so, so yeah, I'm going to be late. So what you saying? When we like each other, I was on time. Now I'm late. Mm-hmm. You saying love, love <laughs> makes you lazy is what you're saying. Love makes yes, you love makes love love make you, you lazy. Love makes people lazy. You were not get no bonnet loving when y'all just liked each other. You got the bonnet when it was love. That's when the bonnet come out, when it's love. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, now you get to see these panties with the holes in them. We love each other. I'm going to agree with you on that one. Get these holy panty love. But when we like each other, oh, yeah, that's when you get that good love and when it's life. So on the turn into love, everything get lazy. Yeah. It is. Y'all fingernails are great. Don't, fingernails not done. Toes don't be painted no more. Oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. we love each other. Yeah, yeah. I ain't opening no the door. No Man, why well, I got to go all the way the around and open the door? You know I love you. You do get late. Get the door. You get late. Get the door. <laughs> you know I love you. Yeah, you love make everybody lazy, whether it's your parents. It ain't even just your relationships. It's your parents. It's everybody. It's, it's your friends. Yeah. It's everything. We all guilty of it. <laughs> so yeah, you that's that why keep you some people that like you around, just trying to prove themselves. <laughs> we go. We gonna end on that note. And keep people around who like you. And uh, Mac, real quick before we go, let people know how they can, how they can, fo- how they can follow you, or where they can catch you the next time for a show. 
you can follow me on my page, Mac O. Henson. You can go to Mac O. Funny on Facebook. Um, I'm Mac O. on everything. I'm Mac O. Henson on Instagram. I really don't be on all that stuff like I need to. I'm still like a dinosaur, so I'm about to catch up and start getting my, my social media up. Y'all start following me. When I start putting these videos out, I don't need y'all just to like them. I need y'all to share them. I put mm-hmm. my videos out. Y'all hurt my feelings. Y'all don't share them, so I'd be like, forget it. I ain't doing it. If I don't get enough shares, I just quit. I got, I'm got, i spoiled. I'm an artist, and I'm sensitive. And y'all don't share my stuff. I just be like, forget it. Where are you performing at next? Uh, you know what? I have a couple things in the air. I might be out of state. I'm not, I don't have anything booked for the next couple weeks here. But, you know, I do do Funny AF Friday. And ice. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm all over the city. I'm everywhere. Yeah. I'm in Tulsa. Very fun. I'm very fun. I'm Catch three town big. I'm Chitlin Circuit big. <laughs> well, thank you. thank you, thank you for joining us. Very funny. One of my favorite comedians. And so that and remember you, me when you make it. Remember me in the suit when you make it. But um. Right on. <laughs> It's time for some new music. Well, it's not new, but it's time for another song. It is How Do You Feel by Novi Tide. Sometimes when I'm thinking, I'll be wishing we was on the same page. But you were showing me the real you, so I let you run the show past. Oh, 
All right. So, whew, I'm sorry. I had to catch my stop last. So, um, to, we're going to get into tonight's topic. Um, whew, the dating after divorce. I'm sorry. I'm trying to stop laughing. Uh, and we are joined by Miss um, Anisha Sharp. Um, so, I'm going to read bio, and then we're going to go and get into this uh, tonight. So, uh, Anisha Sharp. Is the executive director for a world-renowned for a world-renowned ministry, Charles Martin Ministries. As an ordained minister, Anisha has a desire to minister to people of all walks of life, but she has a relentless enthusiasm to help women and youth succeed. She is a best-selling author who obtained a bachelor's of science degree from the University of Central Oklahoma. Excuse me. The first book she authored, entitled "Unlocking the Doors to Destiny," is a critically acclaimed inspirational work documenting her triumphs over hardship that sought to destroy her, and the courage she displays to successfully reclaim her life to live a life of purpose. Her most recent publication, "And She Laughed," Volume One, is a fictional piece of varied experiences women encountered, geared towards helping them see the champion in them, no matter the situations they face. In her passion for success of today's youth, she recently created a curriculum entitled Who Am I Anyway, a curriculum designed to help youth of today have a clear, introspective look at themselves and not succumb to life's traps. Anisha is the creator of Writer's Boot Camp, a workshop series inspired to, inspired to help authors find their voice and tell their true, authentic stories. As an author coach, her program assists aspiring authors to produce a best-selling book and develop a successful marketing plan in only six months. Anisha is the mother of two handsome sons and one beautiful daughter. In addition, she is an award-winning and highly sought-after conference speaker whose words deliver, inspire, and invoke change in the lives of the audiences she touches. With her affectionate smile, genuine love of life and people, her transparent message, messages excuse me, have been delivered to schools, churches, workshops, and conferences around the nation. She also has been featured in several magazines and publications, interviewed on several radio stations, and on television. She is passionate about helping people discover their true identity and fully develop in their purpose. Anisha resides in the suburbs of Oklahoma City. Ladies and gentlemen, Ms. Anisha Sharp, how are you doing tonight? Hello? Hello? Uh Uh-oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. We read all of that this week, and it's going to work tonight. Right. <laughs> I done read all of that. Whew. Hold on. Hold on. Give us one second. Kelly, what your song? You got a song for us while we're waiting? Hold on, I'm sorry. Yeah, we we reduce our tech, technical difficulty. Yeah, yeah. Hold on. All right. Sorry, sorry. All right, Anisha, can you hear me? I can. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. There we go. Okay, perfect. (laughs) 
perfect. Now, thank you for having me on tonight. I was hoping that uh, you would convince some of that bio, but thank you for having me on, and I, I'm excited Ooh. about tonight's topic. <laughs> listen, you read well. You read almost my whole bio, but listen, I didn't turn the paper, so we good. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> I said he gonna read all the whole bio. <laughs> But that, listen, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to make sure I can still read that much now. Um, but I, I we appreciate you for being on. Um, and clearly by your bio, you have done a lot of great work. Um, so first of all, before we get started in this topic, tell us, is there, is there anything else that's not in your bio that you want our audience to know about you before we jump into this into this topic? Um, I think you covered quite a bit, uh, so I'm, I'm actually good. I, I think you'll give me time to talk about the conference I have coming up. But other than that, um, no, I'm, I'm good. Okay. All right, so tonight's topic, we're talking about dating after divorce. Um, and I think what we'll start is, so tell, I mean, I think between the three or four of us, uh, we all have our thoughts and opinions about dating right now, but I'm going to start with, so what do you think? What is the biggest difference in dating now versus what it was back then? And when I say back then, I don't mean like we old, super old, but, you know. Well, I mean, I was married for 17 years, so that is back then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I mean, to be honest with you, you know, I was in high school probably the last time I really just dated. Um, I got married at 20. And so, um, and so, you know, it, it's a huge difference. I mean, I was obviously a different mindset. I was a child. I wasn't fully, hadn't had enough life experiences. Um, so it's, it's a huge difference. I'm in a totally different place in my life at this point of my, in my life. I've been married, have children now, um, been in a career, had my own business. So, so I think just intellectually there's a huge difference on who I was then, who I am now, expectations I had then, expectations I have now. So I don't know if that's, that's the best question to ask someone that has been married for so long um, and got married so young because my perspective is probably going to be different than somebody who, you know, hasn't been married as long as I was. Mm-hmm. When, you say your expect, when, you, when you say your expectations are, are different, what, what are some of the, the changes? Well, I'm, you know, obviously when you're 19, 18, you're not looking for marriage. You're just kind of enjoying life and learning yourself. I was in college, um, you know, and I married the person I was in high school with. So you're really not looking for marriage. It just, if it does happen, it's sometimes pressure from people. You know, if you grew up in a biblical background, it's better to marry than to burn, you know, just all those things. You're taught I was pregnant. Um, when we got married, um, three months pregnant with my oldest son. So there was some pressure there. So when I say different, I mean expectations. I really, you know, wasn't necessarily at that time looking to be married. Uh, I'm not saying I'm necessarily looking to be married at this point, which, you know, that's not something I'm not looking for. But you just have expectations. You know what you want out of life. You know what you're not willing to put up with. You know that you're not willing to make decisions for other people. Um, my previous marriage, a lot of it was for other people. And so at this point, any decisions I make going forward is going to be for me. Um, I, I was more influential in my 18, 19, 20, you know, those years of my life. I was very influential. I wanted to please people. At this point, I'm excited to be able to please myself and to be happy with the decisions I'm making for me and not anybody else. 
Kels, did you have a question? I'm sorry. Sorry, I was on mute. <laughs> but um, so my question is is um, I've I've never been married or divorced, but I've had friends who talk about this, and I've dated um, or communicated with guys who have been divorced, and all of them. After they've been married for a long time, they swear they don't know how to date anymore. So, I mean, what is this thing that, I mean, just because you've been married a long time, when you is it is it just that they're scared to date? I just don't buy into, oh, I don't know how to date. I don't know how to tell someone likes me. I mean, we all learned that in elementary school. So, <laughs> you know, can you enlighten me on that aspect? Right, so that's not my story, <laughs> um, uh-huh. to be honest with you, because my marriage was the way it was for so long, it was kind of, you know, I had a, it was just, it, it just should have ended long before it did, it was at least seven or eight years before it did. So when I, and when I, I'm going to call it freedom, when I, you know, was free from that, I was excited to see what was out there, to see what was next for me. Not that it had to be marriage as much, but just to be able to, be free to be myself again and be free to meet people and be free to know me in a different aspect. Um, so for me, that's not my story. Um, I don't, I, I'm, I'm surprised when people say that. I was like looking forward to sitting down and having, you know, um, dates because I didn't have that in my marriage. So um, for me, that was, that was exciting for me. So I, I don't, I can't even, I can't even understand somebody <laughs> who wants to say that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, I I don't buy it. I just I, you know I wanted to get. I thought maybe you know someone can help them along the situation because I'm like it's like riding a bike, you know. Right. Just, <laughs> I like somebody. <laughs> I think you know what I think for me what the what the difference was was it wasn't so. Uh, go ahead, Q. Go ahead. I'm gonna, I'll ask after your question. Go ahead. question broke up. I couldn't hear everything you said. I don't know if maybe the last part where the question came. I heard a lot about, but just, I, I didn't really hear the very last part of it. Everybody, I ha- your phone, it, it don't know. It's kind of 
coming in and out, but I, I think I kind of got the gist. I think you asked me how different is it uh, for me daily yeah. now than it was back then. Is that what your question was? Yeah. Okay. Um, how different was it? I mean, I think it's just kind of the same, you know, that I answered earlier. It's just, you know, not knowing myself um, then. And, I, again, it's kind of hard to compare because I was, a, you know, when, I, when you're 18, 19, 20, you're a totally different person. Um, not that you don't have core values or certain things that remain constant in your personality or who you are, but, you know, as you develop, you know, you're just not – like, I have an 18-year-old son, and he swears he knows everything about life. And I remember being 18 and, and feeling the same, and I always tell him, like, well, how do you feel today? You're not going to feel in five years. You're not going to feel in seven, ten, you know, um, living, you, or at least you should grow in wisdom and knowledge. Um, I definitely probably would not have, um, how do I put this? I definitely probably would not have married who I married had I been the person I am today. But while I don't, um, I don't uh, regret it, I know that I'm a different person, and so my expectations are different. What I want out of life is different. So um, to me, dating then is, like, totally different than dating now because I just didn't know myself. I didn't know what I want. I didn't know who I was. I was still growing into who I am today, and I'm still growing, but I wasn't half of the person I am today and as far as understanding life and having experience and learning and growing and being hurt and loving through hurt. Um, so I just don't know that I can compare it because it's just such a totally different experience. I don't know that I can compare it and it makes sense to anybody just because it was, it's just not the same. It's just totally different. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the things that I, um, that I can say I experienced was, especially right, right after, was – um, thinking that I was ready when I still wasn't he- completely, when I wasn't healed. How right. did you know, or how how did you know, and how should a person know um, if they are, and I'm going to use the phrase, healed enough, even, I don't you know if that's a, a good phrase, but healed enough to be able, or is ready to get into another relationship? Sure, that's a great question. Um you know, I don't think there's a certain time frame because to some people, people will say, well, you're, you know, you're in a serious relationship too soon based off of if you're looking at timing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think everybody's different. I think, I think you know you're in a good place when you can actually forgive your ex-spouse of everything, things that you expected that didn't happen, expectations, if they cheated, um, you know, whatever that pain looks like. When, when you can get to a place where you can actually forgive them and you can actually bless them or you can actually pray for them and not prayers of God, let them die in their sleep, but you can actually pray for them. You know, you can actually see them and not be angry. You can talk about them and not be angry. If someone were to come to you looking for you to trash them, you're like, nope, he's a great guy. I thank him for what he did and who he was in my life. You know, and when you can get to that place, I think you're in a healed place. But if you're still at a place where you still got some anger, resentment, you're mad, you're still telling your girlfriends or guy friends what he did or what she did or what they're not or what they ain't or who they'll never be, um, if you're still in that place, you're not ready because that pain and that it's really bitterness is going to spill over to your next relationship. And now you're going to be expecting this other person because you haven't detached from the negative feelings in your last relationship 
it's going to spill over to your next relationship. And even if that person is nothing like the last person, because you're still attached in your emotions, the negative emotions to that other person, it's going to spill over to the new relationship. So I think when you're in a place where you can bless them, you can pray for them, and you pray for them on purpose, you know, um, you can, you know, say kind words when you see them or if you don't see them, but, you know, you're still speaking highly of them. I think that's when you know you're in a healed place. That's good. I would agree with that. One of the things I always tell, also express to people is I think you should go through um, at least one full calendar year single, just because, specifically because I think um, we all have those certain things that trigger us. So, for example, you know, you got to get reused to Christmas and Thanksgiving and, you know, the things that you didn't do and all of those holidays and get used to, you know, life as a person again, you know, a single person or just a person that's not having those same, you know, you used to go in the her mama house and his mama house and sitting on the couch and cooking, you know, and, and going through and dealing with all of those emotions. I think ever I always tell people, I think, you know, if you can, like, give it, go through that. Go through that birthday season where you, you know, so you can mourn and, and grieve and, and get that out your system. So, but I do agree. You really can't put a time frame to it, but that's good. But you said it's real good. Real good. Thank you. And I agree with uh, what you said. I mean, you know, you do sometimes need to, for your own sake, kind of detox, you know, of, some of the memories that you had, I, I definitely can see that, the, the validity in that point as well. Yeah. Now, what about, so, um, kids, oh, this is a, this is always a tough one. <laughs> how did, oh, Lord Jesus, how do you, um, I mean, what, what, are, what are your, your thoughts and ideas on when to introduce children to this, mm-hmm. to, the, to the new boo? Because um, I think right. that's a, that's always a tough one. It is. And, you know, my, my situation is kind of different. It's so weird how God does stuff. Um, the person that I'm currently in a relationship with, someone I've known for a long time, my children have known them for a long time, um, of course, in different mm-hmm. capacities. Um, we did wait before we started telling our families. Um, mm-hmm. And we told this family before we told my family, uh, just because this kind of how it worked out. But, when I did tell them, um, and I'm very open with my children, um, they got a chance to really see what a marriage shouldn't be like. Um, and so, you know, I know that they want they wanted me to be happy. And so I'm very open, I'm very honest, I'm very direct with them. And so whenever I told them about it, it was kind of the same way. Um, there wasn't really a time frame for he and I as far as, okay, we've been dating this long, let's tell them. It was more of a time frame of watching my kids to know when they were ready to know more about mommy's life, mommy's life outside of them. And so when I could tell that they were needing to know more information about, okay, well, you know, we're at dad's, what, you know, what are you doing? Because they were always concerned. They go to their dad's twice a week. Um, and they're always concerned, well, mom, what do you do whenever we're not around? You know, they were kind of feeling sad for me, you know. Mom, we don't want you to be lonely, you know, and things like that. And um, and at that time, we were just only seeing each other when, you know, my kids were away. Um, and But when I started to realize that they needed to know more about what I was doing and when that I felt like they were just by watching, engaging, you know, how their interactions were when they were seeing me and this person together, 
not that we were together in a dating format, but just in the same circles, um, I, I just kind of knew, okay, it's time for them to know. I didn't want to keep, you know, having a relationship that they were not aware of. And I knew that we were getting serious, and I knew that where we were headed um, and where we are heading is to something serious. So once we were really in that place that this is something serious, then we're definitely going to take to the next level. Um, we are dating with a purpose. Um, so at that time, I knew it was time for me to let, you know, to get my children involved and to let them know what's going on in mommy's life. So I don't know that there's always a specific date. I think it's very sensitive, though, um, specifically if your kids have watched you in a relationship, even if it wasn't very good, and it was their dad, you know, that's a very sensitive space. And so mm-hmm. I think it's just a matter of watching them, listening to their questions, listening to their, you know, what they're saying to you, what they're paying attention to, because kids pay attention to details very closely. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. want them to feel yeah. like I was hiding something from them. Um, so once that became, you know, they're in their awareness, I knew, okay, I need to go ahead and have this conversation. So it was very open. Once I was done, do you have any questions? Um, and they've already liked this person and loved this person, actually. So um, it wasn't like one of those things where it was like, you know, I mean, I'm not saying it was um, super easy. I'm not saying that. But I think if it was someone else they didn't know, I think it would have been more difficult for them because they are very used to a close-knit um, environment as far as who they're around um, and who I'm around, even in their presence. I hope that makes sense. I don't know if I answered the question in the way you like me to, but I hope yeah. I made, I hope I made no, sense. No, no, I think that's I think I think that's good because I think you know, like you said, paying attention is is key. Um, and maintaining that communicate that that level of communication where you see. Um, what they, you know, kind of where they are to determine what, you know, what's necessary and when's a good time. So I think that's definitely that's definitely key. Um, do you think? Do you think that? I know you said you have one that's that's uh, eighteen. Do you think their mm-hmm. age played a, a part in in that, or um, in terms of the things that you were looking at, or do you think no matter what age you'd have done it the same way? Well, well I, have, I have one that's going to college. He's going to Arkansas. I'm taking him on Thursday. I'm going to cry. Um, but he's so going off to college his first year. And I have a 13-year-old son that I have a 7-year-old daughter. So they're all very different. Okay. You know, at that time, one was in high school, one was in middle school, one was in elementary school. So I literally have okay. a kid in every age bracket except for baby, you know, toddler <laughs> age. Um, so it yeah. wasn't necessarily that their age was a factor as much as um, you know, my kids are very perceptive. They pay attention. They're watching me. Um, you know, they see me go away on the phone. Okay, who's mom talking to? You know, little things like that where I knew they were paying attention and they were curious. And I didn't want them to feel like I had a life that that they could not be aware of, that they could not be because they're used to being a part of my life in every aspect. So it was difficult at first for me to just kind of keep this thing like, okay, you know, let's meet here, let's do this, let's not – Tell, you know, just, oh, let's meet whenever they're gone or whatever. That was kind of difficult because I, they're used to being very, in, you know, in, um, interwoven in my life. And so you know, I don't think it was necessarily an age thing as much as it was I can't tell them to be honest with me and open with me if I'm not willing to give the same thing to them. I can't build trust with my children if I am living a life that they can't know about. Now, if this was someone that I hadn't planned on being serious with, we probably would have never even gone as far um, dating-wise, as long as we did, you know, I would have known that this isn't the one. 
I, I knew I, I'm, not, I'm not the kind of person, this is one thing I do know about myself. I know about myself when I was younger. I'm not somebody that can just date a whole bunch of people. You know, I just, I'm just not that girl. So I know that whoever comes into my space, number one, I have to hear from God that this is a person that's supposed to be in my space. And number two, that it's something more than just, oh, we're just casually dating, we're just casually seeing each other. Like, I'm very intentional. Um, and so I knew that once this person came into my space, I knew that God was preparing us for something. Um, I just had to watch as far as, you know, timing when things could be revealed. But I just didn't want to, you know, teach my kids, oh, trust me, trust me, you can share anything with me, and then I'm over here living a life that they're not even aware of. But they're they're noticing things are different, but I'm not telling them what it is. So after a while, I was like, okay, I need to sit them down and have this conversation. And actually with my oldest son, he actually talked to my oldest son because, you know, they had a relationship and um, – and they've been around each other. So he wanted to, you know, with, with my oldest son being, uh, he was 17 at the time. Um, he really just wanted to, you know, he's growing up. He's going to college soon. He's graduating soon. He was like, let me just have this conversation with him. And he did. And, and to be honest with you, I feel like it went better than if I would have said it to him. That's good. My younger two, That's I good. told them, but my oldest one, he, he told them. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I just I, I I know again I know that's a, for me that's definitely a delicate <laughs> delicate topic. Um, and my my son's only five, so I know it's a little different. But um, it's it's yeah, my son don't care. He's like, oh whatever. You got some milk, but <laughs> I mean, Trey doesn't care, you know. But I I, I that, that's definitely something I think as parents we have to think about. Uh, Kel, you got a question? Uh, no. <laughs> last last question, and I know I gotta let you go. Um, so, what are if you had to if you when you talk to to women, uh, what are mm-hmm. some of the words um, of encouragement that you give them to help them? Because I know I know divorce for all of us um, it, it affects our um, our confidence. So, what are some of the things right. that you um, encourage um, one of the things that you say to help uh, women and men encourage themselves that that marriage dating is still for them um, after divorce. Okay, that's a good question. You know, one of the things I think you first have to do because, like you talked about, I mean, it does it it makes you evaluate who you are as a person because it's like, you know, here you are, you invested whatever amount of time that you invested into something that you hoped and you prayed. Most times you might have even, you know, fasted or whatever you've done. You've read books. You've gotten counseling. You've done all these things that you know to make it work, and then it fails. So the first thing you end up feeling like is I'm a failure. And not only am I a failure, but I'm a failure at the thing I'm supposed to be good at because relationships were given to us because we needed them, because it was a blessing to our lives. And the thing that I'm supposed to be good at, I failed. And so, number one, you have to forgive yourself. You know, forgive yourself, not just that person, but forgive yourself, um, you know, that, that whatever transpired, that it transpired. And one of the things I always tell myself um, is that, and, and then don't regret it. One of the things I think that we end up doing in our relationship is we regret it. I shouldn't have did this. I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have. No, that was obviously in that space of your life, that was exactly what you needed. So let go of the idea that you failed let go of the idea that the regret, that where you were with everything you were as that person in that moment, 
that relationship was exactly where you are in life. And so give yourself permission to love again. Give yourself permission to even be broken. Sometimes it's a matter mm. of, I mean, mm. God's crying, just, you know, sitting in that space and not feeling horrible if that's a, you know, I know that's kind of maybe sounds weird to mm-hmm. be broken and not feel horrible, but you're actually giving yourself permission to feel, to feel every single emotion. And what emotions are they're supposed to move? Emotions supposed to move out of you. And when you allow yourself to release that, all the negative things that a lot of times we keep and we carry because we want to protect ourselves because we're not going to let that happen again, well, it ends up really affecting you. And so when you Mm -hmm. let those things go, that actually allows you to be open for healing. And so I would say just forgive yourself, get out of regret, give yourself permission to cry, to be broken, to feel emotional, to mourn. Um, And once you've done that, allow yourself to know that even though that didn't work, you're still lovable. You can still mm-hmm. be loved. You still have love to give. You're here to love. So be open to whatever is next for your life, whatever that looks like. Um, but be discerning. Don't just let anybody in your space because once you've been out of a divorce or a bad relationship, you, it's easy to repeat the cycle because you haven't grown enough skills a lot of times to be able to do things better. So be discerning on who you let in your space. Not everybody needs to, you know, don't, you know, I know that song, uh, there's a song that goes, um, uh, I can't think of it off the top of my head right now, but it's talking about basically how to get over this one person to get another person. That's really not what we should be doing. You should be really, Mm -hmm. not even trying to get over them, but just get healed from the effects of it. Um, I think once you get to those places, and then you recognize that I am lovable, no matter, because I think that's a, that sometimes women we feel that way. Like, maybe I'm not lovable. Maybe, you know, maybe I'm too difficult. Maybe I'm too whatever. And you start to make yourself think that you don't deserve something that you actually were born to give and receive. Um, so, you know, give yourself permission to, to love again. But be discerning. Pay attention. And, and, and watch who you're letting into your space. And when your spirit tells you this is not a good fit, Listen to your spirit, because a lot of times, if we really pay attention, we always knew the outcome of something before it happened. We always knew this person wasn't going to be, I knew when I married my ex-husband when I was 20 years old, I was not supposed to marry him. I knew that, but I didn't listen to that. I just listened to my wants, my desires, what people said to me, what people expected of me. And sure enough, 17 years, what I knew at 20 happened. So listen to your spirit, man, because you're, you're, you know, you really know in your knower who you should be letting into your space and who you shouldn't. That's good. All right, well, thank you. Real quick, um, I know you got a you got a conference coming up, um, so go ahead and tell our listeners about your conference and where they can register. And yeah, sure. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Get some tickets. Yeah. So um, you know, a lot of what I am going to be doing in the conference um, it's based on healing. It's called Rip the Runway. Um, it's a women's conference, and we're going over just different areas of healing that we need, financial healing, relationship healing, like we're talking about tonight. Um, look at the people on the flyer. Uh, emotional healing. So we're going to have someone that uh, is into mental health. Um, let's see, what else do I have on here? Um, we're going to be talking about wholeness, financial healing. So just every, pretty much every area, soul, mind, body, we're addressing all those broken areas where we need to be healed. Um, we're going to have worship. Somebody's going to worship. We're going to have 
of dancing. So it's, it's just going to be one of those moments where you can really not just come and get information, but my, my prayer is that people who have been holding on to things, that they'll be healed, that they'll be delivered. And you can just go to either my Facebook page, Anisha um, Harrison Sharp, or the website for the actual conference. Let me pull that up really quick. Is it's the uh, Anisha Sharp website dot. This is kind of long, <laughs> but it's Anisha Sharp dot Wixsite dot com hashtag or hash Rip the Runway twenty eighteen. But if you just hashtag Rip the Runway twenty eighteen, I'm sure you'll find something in social media that'll get you to where you're looking for for the conference if you're interested. If you have questions, you can always just. Um, find me on Facebook. I'm all over Twitter, Instagram, at Anisha Sharp. Um, and so that's kind of some quicker ways to find me. Okay. And I'll post the, I'll post the link on my page, too, for anybody who um, who's looking for it. So make it a little easy for you. But we appreciate you for being with us tonight. Um, and we'll definitely have to have you back again uh, for more. And definitely we're uh, hoping your conference goes well. Um, so Thank thanks you. for participating. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Oh, that was good. That's a lot of good stuff. Lots of good stuff. All right, guys. This uh yeah, that was that was a, that was really good. And again, make sure you um I will post the link to my to the um to the conference. So go out and get tickets for it. I'm sure it's going to be an awesome and we're definitely um appreciative to uh Anisha Sharp for joining us tonight. Um so we're going to skip the song because we run we running behind. We're going to skip our song, and we're going to jump into our uh, passion talk. So, Kels, I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce uh, the fire starter. <laughs> yes, the fire starter, Mr. Lee, is back with us. We have missed her. She is here to uh, empower us, give us courage, confidence, and communication. She is a fire starter, and I'm going to let her do her spiel because she does it so wonderful. But I'm introducing the some and reintroducing the others. <laughs> Miss Cicely. <laughs> Come on, girl. <laughs> Hello, my sweetie pie, Kels. How are you? Fine, how are and you? And Winifred, of course. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Hello to you. And where Hello. is my Sheila Key? She ain't with us tonight. She's, ha- she's just having technical difficulties, so she's here. Yeah, she has technical Oh, yeah. Lord. Well, give it's my love fun. to the queue. Would you do that for me? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is all right. What a good, what a squad, and what's up, Scoop Nation? This is your girl, as Kels has said, Cicely Victoria, owner and founder of Crash International. My business is to help train and equip people to find their voice of identity so they can stop people pleasing and be empowered, encourage confidence, and communication. I'm a certified professional coach. I'm a counselor as well, you guys. I am the queen of empowerment, and I set people's lives on fire for a living, and that's why they call me the fire starter. Welcome to Passion Talk where we give you practical tools for everyday living so you can press into your personal power. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for that very warm welcome. I've missed you guys dearly as well. The fire Starry has just been blazing in her life as per norm and uh, needs to take care of some things. But I am back with you. And um, thank you so much. 
um, for having me and for uh, the little that I heard of the um, the topic of uh, this evening was very profound. So I just want to add to the pot uh, in that regard, and hopefully I do it uh, justice in, um, in kind of partnering with that messaging about um, dating, you know, after divorce and, and things of that nature, and also even as a hot topic that was featured. So today, I uh, won't be before you long, cross my fingers in Jesus' name, <laughs> I won't be before you long, we're going to be talking about getting off the clearance track, okay? And so uh, one main thing in in the reflection of, you know, those who are not just dating after divorce, but just dating in general, but particularly after divorce, because as the um, young lady was communicating that, you know, uh, you know, uh, contrary to popular opinion or what people may not understand, um, divorce is a, a real deal trauma, you know, that you experience. That is a traumatic experience, no matter what people attempt to sugarcoat, no matter, you know, what the situations were, no matter if it was justified, if it was mutual, you know, and it's no matter what. It is a tear, and it's a tear of the soul, and it is traumatic. And so with that trauma um, comes um, the need in following up with it with definitely um, a great amount of healing, great amount of soul searching, great amount of recompense and restoration to your own self as as, um, was being communicated for the small part that I came in on. So I'm really glad um, that she was pressing in upon that because that's the first place where you need to start um, before before you even tempted to get on the clearance rack. <laughs> so we're going to talk about the clearance rack for a second, okay? And it's inspired by a quote. Oh, and please forgive me, you guys. I might sound a little different. I'm dealing with a little congestion. So if I talk, sound like I'm talking through my nose, I am. Um, <laughs> I'm dealing with a little amount. But uh, you, you still with me. The fire's still with you. So the quote is, when you undervalue what you offer, the world will undervalue who you are. I'll say it again. When you undervalue what you offer, the world will undervalue who you are. And that was stated by Oprah Winfrey. And so in the um, light of getting off the clearance rack, um, I'm going to just throw some things, you know, at you in regard to being, you know, a clearance rack item but for both men and women or even volunteering or setting yourself up to be posed as a clearance rack item or maybe not even knowing, you know, that you're behaving as a clearance rack item, so on and so forth. Um, so one thing we want to know is that you respect, if you respect yourself to get respect, okay? Very important to respect yourself to get respect. So for those people who, you know, just believe that respect is automatic, right, and it should just be given just on sheer, you know, recognition that I deserve it, I defer um, in regard to um, how the way of the world is, okay? So not to say that every human being isn't worthy of respect, but nevertheless, um, people are typically going to entreat you based on um the posture that you give or based on what you present yourself as. They will entreat you as such. So you need to first and foremost um, to not even get put on that clearance rack to learn how to appreciate what you bring to the table. And so in order to know how to appreciate what you bring to the table, 
you know, my favorite topic is of identity, of course, and you can't go any further beyond being fortified in your identity in order to even know what you bring to the table first and foremost and then appreciate that and then know how to value that and package that as such. So let's talk about a clearance rack item real quick, okay? So um, any ladies, typically ladies, Dudes, I don't know how you get down. I don't know if, like, there's clearance in your section. I'm not sure. I'm sure it is. But <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I'll shop in the men's section. I'll shop in the women's section. And um, But it's a clearance rack in our section. It's sure enough, okay? And if any ladies like me who's a fashionista who's just, like, you know, uh, loves to get shopified sometimes, I'm going first to the clearance rack. I mean, real talk. So this is kind of like off topic, um, but it's you're going to get the point. So, so the clearance rack, okay, the clearance rack, um, why do we go there? Because I want you to um, – and, and I want you to embrace this symbolically at, for a person, okay? I'm talking about clothes right now, but I want you to embrace it for a person. So a clearance rack item is what? It has certain characteristics. It's reduced in price. It's reduced in value. It's typically irregular in some type of way, sometimes. <laughs> it might have a little hole that you barely can see. might have a little tear. might have a little stain. might be discolored, right? The letters might be a little off might not have the right centering, it's irregular. And a clearance rack item is simply not built to last too long. That's why they drop that price way down because they're just trying to get it out the store, okay? So that's where the clothing, okay? So consider as a person, mm-hmm. consider as a person. If you are bringing to the game of life uh, clearance, rack, clearance rack quality as a person, do understand that you will be very much as those clothes, you will be well picked over. You will be – you ever go back to a clearance rack? They don't treat them clothes right. They all over the floor. They ain't even hanging on the hangers no more. People stepping on them. They don't even bother to pick them up. Nope. Don't nothing to catch them about that. I just came back here for what I came back here for. Forget what the rest is talking about. So they well picked over. They're perused through, right? People try them all right there. They don't even care to go to the dressing room. Okay, I'm telling my uh, secrets right now. So <laughs> just try them all right there. Just disrespectful to the clothes, okay? Okay, so they're browsed through, very often browsed through, okay. They're easy to spot. I need you to catch this symbolically, okay. They're easy to spot as the easy buy, all right. If you're a clearance rack item, all right, you're easy to spot as the easy buy. And it typically is the first thing that you'll attract to because um, you don't have much more to offer. So let's get back to the person, okay, in, in that regard. So, you know, sometimes you can only go to that clearance rack. Let's uh, let's talk about the um the purchase fee for a second. You only got $10, right, in your purse. <laughs> so I can't come here to get nothing regular retail, okay, because first of all, you know what I'm saying, I got this emergency party to go to, and I need some cute to wear or whatever, and I only got $10, okay, so – this is all that I can afford, all right? And so it's the first thing to attract to because that person who's trying to purchase it, they don't they don't have much more to offer you, okay, in order to obtain a bit. So it, whether, see, this is the thing. Either you can be the recipient of a clearance rack item or you can be the giver as a clearance rack item. So it makes, it, it works either way. And so if you notice that you are a representative of any of those things, you feel reduced 
in any way, okay? And price and value, irregular, that you're not built to last very long. Maybe you just don't have capacity, you know, in you. You don't really have much to offer. Then these are the things I need to challenge you in in order to address those areas, right, in order that you not be clearance rack. Many times, if our awareness is sensitive enough, you can tell when one is a clearance rack item or the opposite thereof, which is couture. And I know Kels can appreciate that couture uh, life, okay? So, because she's a true fashionista. So, okay, but there are certain things that you can tell about a clearance rack item that a couture will not, all right? You can tell by the dress. You can tell by the speech of an individual. You can tell by their behavior. You don't even have to spend a lot of time with them to know, oh, baby, you Montgomery Ward. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, <laughs> like you, you do the tree, all right? So I, I don't even need to have a further conversation because I already know you clearance rack. Listen, clearance rack behavior for both men and women, I'm giving advice to those who are dating after divorce particularly, okay, because I don't want to mark yourself down. Do not mark yourself down, all right, because you feel like you need to because, you know, you might not feel lovable or loved or things of that nature. So clearance rack for men and women, the character is bent on, hear me, dressing or overdressing only the outside because there is nothing much more to offer on the inside. So nothing against being well-dressed. We love our well-dressed people, right? But pay attention to those who that is their sole priority, right, to make sure that their reputation is kept intact from the outside alone. Okay, they have to have, you know, the right hair, the right shoes, the right clothes, the right, you know, makeup, the right weave, whatever, but there is nothing much beyond the exterior exterior packaging that's still a clearance rack item. It might look like a million bucks from the outside, but you need to be able to have a discerning eye to tell that it's still a clearance rack item, okay? How will you know? They will have no personality. They may have no education. They will have no conversation. Um, they will not have a mind of their own. So when you take that beautiful clearance rack item that you dressed up real nice to get to know it better, you would discover, okay, that the seams are falling apart, okay? You will see the irregularity that you didn't notice before because they dressed up a clearance item real well, all right? So let's talk about another clearance item trait, all right, for both men and women, okay? This is not just for men. Women do it too. Sometimes... When you're trying to date, especially after divorce, okay, or date in general, don't get dissuaded by the sexual relations too soon, ladies and gentlemen, because it's going to get you distracted by the lust of your flesh, all right, before you can distinguish if they've come from K&G or from Brooks Brothers, all right? So that is a case in point that you want to pay attention to because sex is a very tricky enemy that can work against you if you invite it into a dating relationship too soon and it does not allow you to determine the quality of fabric, okay, the way that you need to. All right, so these are tips for you. Now, couture, how do you recognize someone who's a keeper, as the young lady was saying? This couture piece is custom-made. They're tailor-made. It's a high-end item. 
it's fit to your shape, as she said. They compliment you. They, it's high in quality. It's high in cost. It's not mass produced. So, in other words, you're not going to, you know, walk just 10 feet and find another one just like them. You're not going to be able to do that. All right? So, it's not mass produced. It's couture. It's distinct. It has its own personality. It has a mind of their own. It has a voice. Hello. It has demeanor and a presence that communicates, hey, I'm worth something. I'm of great value. I'm of great worth. I don't undervalue myself. No, you have to elevate your price point or what have you, or you have to go back and get some more, right, in order to be able to come through the door. You know, they have um, <laughs> stores and boutiques on Rodeo Drive that you have to make an appointment to enter into their door. You're not just coming in off the street, coming to a window shop, okay, and coming to thumb through their racks. Like, that don't happen. <laughs> you have to have a certain caliber of income even in order to enter into the door. That's what a couture is. All right? So I want you, with all of this in mind, as you enter into your beautiful dating world, dating life, after divorce or otherwise, make sure that you are not being the recipient of a clearance-like item, nor have you um, underserved yourself as a clearance-like item, and make sure that you are responsible for being a couture. I want you to be unique. I want you to be distinct and then you will be noticed. This is your passion talk for this evening, ladies and gentlemen. Do you have any questions, comments, or concerns? <laughs> I, I, just, I, I just told you. I, I just told you. Go no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that it was very, a very interesting analogy, uh, very <laughs> deep on the, the clearance versus couture, so. That's all. That's yes. All. Thank you, Kev. I appreciate that. I tap in for that one. Thank you. <laughs> so I, was, I, told, I said, clearly she's talking to women because I don't even know what couture means. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, see, when, now, I, okay, I only want you to confess that, but now you do know. Right. Couture is typically something that, yeah, a woman, a true fashionista would know. But now you do know, okay? And and you you are definitely like. couture, Winifred. <laughs> you said I know, what? I know what, look, I know what custom is. Like, I got some custom You know what? Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, might be the language okay. for the men. Okay. Yeah, that's bingo. Right. So custom may be more right. so. Yeah, custom is the parallel right. to couture in the uh, male world. Right. There you go. Custom made. I got some. Bingo. You learned something tonight. Yeah, I got uh-huh. There you go. Like, okay. It's right, awesome. There you go. So it applies the same. Absolutely. All right, y'all. Gotcha. You know I've had fun with y'all. I pray we learned something on tonight, okay? We're going to take responsibility to get up off that clearance rack. This has been your girl, Cicely Victoria, on their founder of Passion International. Um, my business is to help train and equip people to find their voice of identity so you can stop people pleasing, be empowered, encourage confidence, and communication. You have just been a part of Passion Talk. We've given you practical tools for everyday living so you can press through your personal power. Until next time, stay in purpose. Stay in power, stay in passion, and stay on fire. I love y'all. See ya. Peace. I love you. I love you. Good word. Good word. All right, Kels, I'm going to let you go ahead and close us out. Go ahead and get us started. Yes, a very good show. Had a good time. Thanks to uh, Miss Anisha Sharp. Definitely uh, another shout out and thanks to Matt Go. Uh, Henson, the comedian, 
thank you to Miss Cicely. I, I enjoyed the, the clearance versus couture. I had to take a look at a couple of things I do because I know I be swiping yeah. on the clearance rack sometimes. So yeah, 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 yeah. That was she dope. always step on my toes, and I, and it's a good, it's a good hard step. So I just ball them up and keep on going. <laughs> thank yeah, you. Good. Have a yeah, have a Anything going on with Kirby Kitten? Uh, the next event for Kirby Kitten is I will be at a it's the makeup artist showcase on August twenty fifth. Uh, you'll have to see more information um on our social media pages. So it's Kirby Kitten Clothing on both Facebook and Instagram. So catch us at the makeup artist. What I call it? I'm sorry. You'll see the information on the page. <laughs> makeup artist showcase. <laughs> I want to echo. Uh, I want to echo uh, what Carol said. Uh, thank you to Mac O. Thank you to uh, Miss Alicia Sharp. Y'all make sure you go um, and support both of them. Mac at his uh, comedy shows. Anisha with her her book um, and with her upcoming women's conference. Uh, thank you to uh, Cicely. I'm glad you're back. Um, no more vacations for at least 20 years. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so my thanks to Kel, thank you, everybody who tuned in in our lives, who called in. We appreciate you uh, very much. Uh, don't forget tomorrow, the word on Wednesday um, is back. Um, so the Emancipation Series on Galatians is continued. Um, so tune in at 7 o'clock. If you haven't gotten uh, checked out, nouveauexposure.org. Do that. We've got some new articles. Kel got a new article uh, on leveling up your finances, so really good. Um, yeah, just so check us out. Also, if you have not, um, if you look, if you're an artist and you got some new music, we still want to play it. So uh, send it to us at globaldriveradio at gmail.com and we'll get your music on the air. Uh, other than that, have a good night. Um, we'll be back next Tuesday for another edition of The Scoop. Our radio show, and we will see y'all next week. Have a good week. And don't forget, this is going to be the best week of your life. Uh, we'll be uh, continue to believe it, continue to prepare for it, and continue to um, to make the necessary changes. And I promise you, this will be a, the best week that you've ever had. Have a good night, and we'll see you next week. Guys.